Tweet Talk, episode 37. It's lit. We on the what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Yeah. Episode Riley Harris, he was a charger back in the day. Super duper, like... Dope player, man. My phone is going crazy. Getting these sales off. This e-com life. E-com can't be stopped. It's like having a store in everybody's phone. You know, if you have, if you have a business, and you have franchises, and you have multiple locations, you make a lot of money. These days, you can literally franchise yourself because you can put your store in everybody's cell phone. It's crazy. Crazy new streets. Episode right, right, right. here, and yeah, you put it in store uh, in every phone around the world, pretty much. Yeah, especially with digital digital products. Yep. No shipping, no shipping costs. No shipping, no background work. When I was doing LLCs, and I still do LLCs, LLCs is hard work, man. You got to do the work, right? So you have to literally get their information, file their information, follow up to make sure it went through. These days, a transaction is a transaction. They get it, they download it, and that's it. Right. You want to even talk to them ever again, depending on the customer. Might not even know they exist. Yeah, that's the thing, too. You bump into this person on the street, you never know. Right. You never know. Well, it's the day after the Black Man Building Wealth Virtual Conference. Man. Such a powerful event. Hold on one second. (laughs) Yeah, powerful event, man. I was I was excited. I didn't expect people to get. I, always, I I only judge the quality of what I put out based on the response from the people. So podcasts, like I don't judge it based on like what I think is hot. If they listen to it, if they get an inspiration, then I'm like, it's hot. So people were getting crazy feedback from the uh, from the uh, conference. I kept seeing that some people were inspired by it. They're impressed by the quality of the content. And it was just an idea. I was literally talking to Andre Hatchett on Instagram Live. And I was like, I want to do a conference. Trying to figure out how I'm going to do this conference. He was like, bro, create a flyer and set up an event bright. And from there, we just made it happen. So super dope. And then what's crazy is the more that you do, you get people's eyes on you. So... A lot of people want to like run behind people they look up to and hopefully they put them on and they don't realize when you put yourself on, the people that you look up to will come to you. And so I experienced that because I, I reached out to Jay Morrison multiple times. I tried to connect with him with a podcast that was fairly new, podcast recently, and then this platform, and we finally got in touch with him and it was crazy. And I was like, this, I've been following Jay for the longest, supported everything he's done. Um, just been super loyal, wrote blogs about the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, and it comes full circle. So I feel like that is also important, too. Like, if you're reaching out to somebody and it feels like you're doing something that isn't coming to fruition, just know it's going to ultimately manifest. Just know it's going to come. And if it doesn't come, you still did the work. You still got the value in the in – the, you still got a return on that work. So mm-hmm. that's dope. And you had a tweet that says you have to be willing to work. 
So, so that tweet is funny. Hold on one second. I got to pull my nose. I got cold, brother. So that tweet had to do with, it was a combination tweet. There was a tweet with, um, I'm looking for an assistant. And I don't want an assistant who, I have a hard time whenever I try to, I try to hire an assistant and they want me to lead them to the water. They want me to give them the answers to everything. They all like they want me to do the work. If I gotta do the work, then I don't need you. So they're like, oh well, I need a list of people to call. Oh well, I need this. I'm like, you do the shit. You figure it out. I don't got time to figure it out. And what people will realize about me is I'm very high level. I don't get down in the mud. I don't get down in the weeds. It's like Raphael's like, we got this person coming on the podcast. I'm like, cool for sure. I'm not worried about who's coming on the podcast. I'm just worried about making sure I show up to the podcast because the large, the large, like high level thinking is we need episode after episode after episode after episode to make this worthwhile. It has to be that we need this particular guest in this order on this show. We need this on the show. We need to make sure we're continuously producing content. So like, I'm not like in the weeds of things. I'm like more so looking at the big vision of how all this comes to pass. And so for me, I need somebody who's going to come in and then going to hit the ground running. Like I need you to provide, because there's a level of genius in Raphael that I can't tap into. Right. But if you're just asking me marching orders, then I basically just, I, there's no need for the Raphael. Raphael brings value because he brings his own unique creativity. A lot of us, we have these jobs, and these jobs treats like we don't know shit. Treats like we're not good enough to bring ideas to the table. And so we all are looking to them to tell us what to do. I don't want people to do that when they work with me. I'm trusting you. If I didn't trust you, I wouldn't work with you. If I didn't trust you to figure it out, I wouldn't work with you. And that's what I saw with Candace. When I was working with Candace, she kind of disappeared. I was working with Candace. She was able to take a lot of the stuff that I like my thoughts and my, and my things I would produce and she would create memes would do advertising and it was dope and it worked and it was stuff I wouldn't even think about but it enhances the brand we enhance the brand we have multiple things working together that are unique that are creative that stand on themselves not just more Charles stuff we all know where we're trying to take this to and I feel like at the end of the day I need people who are just going to just do it because I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not going to sit that back here and do nothing, but I can't work for you and me. And if I got to work for you and me, I don't need you. So, yeah. So back to the, um, the conference real quick. You had, you had a tweet saying, and this is pretty much the, um, the whole premise of the whole conference. What's the solution to black women? Well, this is not the whole thing of the conference. It's not really what it was about actually, but still, What's the solution to black women out earning and out educating us? Boss up, level up. 100%. Um, we talked about that a lot. And one of the cool things about like, the conference is we, we had a lot of people that kind of had a similar mindset. There were some disagreements. I'm not sure if you guys picked them up, but there were some disagreements. But I, I just feel like, and we saw it on the podcast, where women have these expectations of what they want for men. And... What's interesting is women don't realize the certain advantages that they have. I mean, in our society, a lot of times women are helped and supported and put in certain places to succeed. And what happens when they get all these accomplishments and accolades, they don't really acknowledge that part. They just say, I out-earn you and I'm out-educating you. Not somebody put me in position to succeed. And so when I realized that, I realized that we got to put on for ourselves. And as crazy as that sounds, like, if we want to win, 
we got to realize that the only person, because in America, and I've told people this before, in America, you don't win based on your, your individual efforts. If you look at these kids, they're going to Stanford, USC, NYU, it's not because they're geniuses. It's because they had parents to put them in position to go to the right schools, put them in position to go to the right programs, and that's why they win. I went to law school and I saw it firsthand. I was in school with kids whose parents just provided a way for them. And I realized in America, you don't get there by yourself. But a lot of people expect black men to get there by themselves. And if they don't get there by themselves, they're like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, this is America. Nobody gets there by themselves. And so what I kind of concluded is that it's up to us, man. If I want African-American men to not be losing and in order to not lose, they have to have a foundation of support. I got to create that foundation of support. I got to be that foundation of support. And we got to be that foundation of support. And when we are that foundation, we win because there's nobody stronger than us. There's nobody out there who is going to, who, there's nobody out there who can outdo us. People think that white supremacy exists. White supremacy exists because they operate as a, as a group and you operate as an individual. If you link up and you operate group versus group, you win. They're not touching us on a group versus group level. They beat us because they operate as a group versus our individualism. And the same thing is true in life and in marriage and in raising kids and in all these different things, the group always wins. And that's why I created Chai Capital because it's a group effort. When you do a group effort, you can't lose. You can't be touched. We can buy whatever we want to buy. We can invest in whatever we want to invest in. We can own whatever we want to own because we operate as the group. Meanwhile, we have tenants who can't buy the house because they're out here just being individuals. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what we... Um when you were running the sale on the, the, the group the group of economic starter kit, I was saying it's tax refund season. Get like four of your friends, um, put those refunds together by the course, go buy something together. I mean how long is it gonna take one person? I mean, some of us some of us might not even be making forty thousand or even some of some of us might not even be making thirty thousand. So how long is it gonna take you to, to save up a thousand dollars? Right. A long ass time. And that's one of the things that Julian Gordon kind of touched on is he was talking about like, what is income? A lot of people think income is what you make. No, income is what you have after you paid for everything. So let's say you make 30 grand and then you got to pay for rent and then you got to pay for food. Then you got to pay for transportation. Like what is your actual income? Because that's the foundation of your savings. If you're, if after you make all your money, let's say you make $2,000 a month, some bullshit, $2,000 a month. <laughs> and you got to pay your rent, it's $1,000 a month. And you got to pay your car, it's 200 bucks a month. You got to pay your insurance, it's 100 bucks a month. You got to pay your utilities, that's 100 bucks a month, maybe 200 bucks a month. Cell phone bill, food. Like, what do you really have? Not shit. And then you got to save $1,000 out of that, or you got to figure out how you're going to build an emergency fund, which is three months worth of expenses. I was talking about how in this weekend, I was able, and I didn't even try. Like these days, sales just come in. I was literally asleep. I was sick. I still am kind of sick. I was still am sick. Last night, my wife and I went to dinner, came back home. I literally couldn't do anything. I was just exhausted. And I looked at my phone and I made like five sales. And then I went back to sleep, woke up, and I made like five more sales. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I literally can't even move right now. I can't. Back in the day, I had to respond to DMs. I did all my business through DMs. Now the website, 
it allows me to do business strictly through the website. This podcast is brought to you in part by investatheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investatheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. And so what I realized is working for other people is financially unintelligent. They're taking all your money. They are robbing you. They are scamming you. They're telling you that you're only worth this. And then they're going to the market and they're charging you or billing you for whatever. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I'm even going back to my job on Monday is for the foundation. But quite honestly, it's a wrap for that place, man, because I just I feel like when I took off the last three weeks of working, I made more money than I would have made working at that job for the whole year times two because I had all my time. So what does that look like? It's not just the fact that I'm able to sell things. It's also the fact that I'm able to create new things. So we uploaded the other course. So we just uploaded even more content. And what's frustrating is I was also able, and it's not, it's not even a matter of the content. It's also how you present it. How do you sell it? How do you market it? I did a lot of work with Instagram pages and paying to promote on other pages. I did a lot of stuff through Instagram and paying to promote on Instagram. And that thought energy is invaluable. The, the thought that you put into your work to make your little $30 an hour could have made you 300 bucks an hour. Could have made you 500 bucks an hour. Could have made you $1,000 an hour. But you're, in, you're putting all that thought energy into creating their business and creating all that wealth for them. And then what's worse is they'll treat you like you ain't shit. Like you aren't worth anything. Like you aren't worth what you're truly worth. They'll literally look you in the face and treat you as though you aren't worth what you're worth. And I feel like that's the most frustrating thing. And that's what we got to get out there and get it for ourselves, man. I feel very passionate about that because I've seen it. Mm. I've seen making the kind of money that they won't pay you. It's kind of like Kizia said. She said African-American people aren't starting businesses to become JC jobs. We're starting businesses to get paid what they won't pay us despite being qualified, despite having multiple degrees, despite having multiple years of experience, despite having seniority, all that stuff. They just they won't pay it to you because they don't want you to be their neighbor or whatever it happens to be. Right, right, right man. And you said on a tweet, make a hundred thousand. Working for another man, blow it fast. Make seventy five thousand for yourself. I don't know. We gotta protect this. <laughs> I don't know why why it's like that. I think it's because when when you know that it's automatic, you tend to kind of spend it because you know you're gonna get it right back. And when you work for yourself, you never know when that next buck is coming. You just don't know. It's always you're always in scarcity mode. You're always in preservation mode. You're always in gotta protect this mode. And I used to talk about that a lot. How entrepreneurs spend money different and that's why they have resources. So like entrepreneurs are going to have the thousands stacked because they know worst comes to worst. They don't have the luxury of getting a paycheck. If they have a slow month, they don't have the luxury of getting the paycheck, but the bills still got to get paid. And so what you'll find is the entrepreneur is going to be the person that has a hundred grand stacked, has 200 grand stacked, has 300 grand stacked, but the employee is going to be the person that has nothing stacked because they just feel like they always have a paycheck coming. They always got another bag coming. 
And so that's kind of what I was saying. And that is when you make money for yourself, it's not so much that you made it, but also am I going to be able to make it again? When you make money working for somebody else, especially the way these laws are set up, you're like, if, if they don't pay me, I'm just going to sue. <laughs> if they don't pay me, I'm going to make them pay me. And I feel like that's really the ultimate thing in there. Yeah, you, you said uh, financial freedom over stunting on your. Yeah, so I want to buy a car. And but I also want to have an emergency fund. And so I'm like, dang, like, I really want to buy a car. And but then I'm also like, you know what? I could also have to just keep this as an, as an emergency fund or keep this as buying passive income. And so that's kind of what I've been looking at is making intelligent decisions. I always feel like I have to teach myself and coach myself and remind myself of the principles that I live by. And so, for example, I had another tweet where I was talking about, like, instead of buying the car, buy the house that paid for the car. And I was looking like, man, like I could just I could buy the car. I really want to buy this car. But then I'm like, no, you don't buy the car, man. You buy the house, the house pays for the car. And so I think that what I was actually going to tweet there was financial freedom is greater than buying a car or greater than buying a watch. Because I was like talking to my wife and she told me I couldn't buy a car. And I was like, well, I'm gonna buy a watch then. I want to buy a Panerai. I've been wanting Panerai. And I actually kind of should buy a Panerai. I think I might buy a Panerai. That's real ignorant. So I'm going to get a Panerai. I think I should. I didn't. So I sold a bunch of pre-releases of the vending machine course. And I didn't realize that they didn't charge them until I released the course. And Mm -hmm. so today I released the course and I got a bunch of money. I wasn't expecting that money. And so I actually wasn't even really counting that money. But now I feel like I should buy Panerai. I think I'm going to do it, man. (laughs) But anyway, um, financial freedom is greater than stunting on folks. But sometimes you've got to buy some nice stuff for yourself. I don't know. I'm not really sure about that. But you got to celebrate every now and then. You got to celebrate success. I should, man, let's check it out. I should see what they got on this website. yeah, folks. I mean, especially if you are paying off a lot of debt and you hitting some big goals, every now and then you should celebrate. It might be a slice of cake or something, but celebrate. We're I mean, not telling you go buy a pen, right, or twenty thousand dollar watch or something like that. But depending on your situation, that might that might be all right for you. It's not, it's not twenty thousand dollars, man. It's like five thousand. <laughs> all right. And it's an heirloom you can give it to your son. Right. My son is talking about that too, man. For some reason, he likes watches. Like, I don't know. He likes watches now. And he's I've talking always about been a fan. It's like a man thing, I guess, watches. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I saw some time, one time, um, like people that say, what would you buy a, some people like to say, what would you buy a watch when you could just see your time on your cell phone? But I saw somewhere somebody said, like, men appreciate things that have one function sometimes. Like something you just appreciate something that can do just one thing but do it well. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. A watch just uh, does it just tells time, but that's what it's that's what it's for. It serves its purpose. It's it's like yeah. focus like Andre Hatcher always talks about. It's like mastery. Like I feel like right. in a lot of ways, for me, it's kind of a status symbol, but also I don't like status symbols that look like status symbols. Meaning that like I don't want people to look at like what you have on and, and you see a bunch of diamonds or like it's shining. Mm-hmm. I want people just to know like, oh, dang, that's a Panerai. But um, I don't know. We, we'll see the watch on, on, on Twitter. 
So, speaking of the vending machine course, so you always talk about getting started and getting fancy later. So you said you recorded the the course and then you realized you had the microphone on mute. Man, it was bad. And I, I recorded it and I was sick. I literally did like an hour talk and then I rec- and then I like tried to listen to the recording and it was good too. I tried to listen to it and I, there was no sound. And so I thought it was my cell phone because sometimes like if I try to record something on my cell phone, if I don't have a, the right thing toggled, it won't play the audio. And so I tried to listen to it on like something else and then it, there was still no audio. And so I went to my computer and I looked on this thing and the little button was flashing and I was like, damn, I'm wilding out. So that kind of sucked, but I had to figure out a way. So you know what I did? I was able to use the lecture that I used for the conference and that's what I used for the course. Maybe I'll re-record it, but I just, it's like Jay Morrison says, sometimes you got to kill two birds with two stones. So I use what I did for the Blackwell conference and I'm also going to use it here. Same lecture, same slides, same talk, same information. So that's what I did. And if people say something, then I'll just make modifications. But that's the thing. I was thinking about that too, because like with the options trading course, I've gotten some feedback where some people were like, oh man, I thought it could have been longer. Oh man, you could have added this. And so today I recorded an hour long lecture of me talking about different things. So now they got that, the one that I dropped before, plus they got my hour long lecture, plus I have two books in there, plus they get the PowerPoint slides. And I'm actually going to upload the PowerPoint slides from this into that as well. But I was thinking about how Apple, when they released their products, I never forget Apple, the first iPhone didn't have copy and paste. They didn't have a landscape keyboard, didn't have a front facing camera. There's so many things that that iPhone did not have. There's a lot of things that it did have, a lot of things that it did not have. And I feel like they were more so focused on giving you a dope phone with just a screen that people like you, you forgot about the certain things. And so like with my business, I'm finding that I'm gonna I'm probably have to iterate some stuff. And that's the whole get started, get fancy later is I'm gonna put out some content and I'm gonna get some sales and I'm gonna iterate and I'm gonna improve. So the books, I didn't even add the books, but I added them later. And then I added the new, the new lectures. So it's like now people are really getting their value for what they're paying for, which is great to me because I'm always here to over, over give and over add value. And I would just tell people in business, you got to put it out there. You got to sell stuff before it's ready. You got to get it to the market before it's ready because what happens is it will never be ready. And you're going to be sitting there thinking, pondering, going to work for other men, getting paid pennies and being pissed off. And I'm tired of being pissed off and working for pennies. And so I got to put some stuff out. Then I got to boss up, become an entrepreneur, even more entrepreneurial. So I can get a pen around. Yeah. <laughs> get the pen around, man. Get the pen around. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at partnerwithmillie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Uh, now, what did you mean by this? You said, I just want the income, not the headache. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I'm looking at, I had a conversation with Cody, who was a, a real estate lender, and he's on Twitter. I actually met him through Chris Johnson, and I'm finding 
that when you start doing full rehab projects, you got to deal with contractors, you got to deal with plumbing, you got to deal with inspections, you got to deal with all this stuff. And I realized when I was actually listening to Xavier's lecture, he was talking about how he bought a property and it was tenant occupied. I think the tenant was paying like six ninety, and they paid like eighteen hundred for it. And I was like, I'm doing that all day. I'll buy a deal like that all day. And the reason is this. When you buy a property that's tenant occupied, a tenant already is satisfied with the condition of the property, which means you don't have to invest any money in rehab. And that's invaluable because you can buy something that's a shell and you're going to get rehab bids across the spectrum. Some contractors are going to say 20 grand. Some contractors are going to say 40 grand. Some contractors are going to say 100 grand. Some contractors are going to say 20 grand. And then once they get inside the property, they're going to actually charge you 30 grand because they want to charge you 30 grand all along, but they're going to find different reasons to justify charging you more. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I don't want to deal with, like, I, I'm in the process now of actually going after and finding my own deals. I'm just, I'm fed up with all the people that have their hands in your deal. And I just want the income. The headache is, I'm even, I, I, I want the income and not the headache so much so that I'm willing to give up money. I'm willing to hire a property manager now. I'm willing to hire somebody to manage our vending machine route in the sense that they would actually be servicing the route. I'm willing to lose money to make money because in listening to uh, Jeremy Johnson, he made that point. The conference changed my life. I was in there getting the bars too. He was talking about the difference between a business owner and an investor. And he was saying an investor puts the money up and just gets their money back. Mm. And so how does that look? A lot of times what we'll say is, okay, I'm going to put up $100,000. And if I run the business, I'll make 12% of my money. Or I'll make 20% of my money. But if I'm just an investor, I'll make 8% of my money. Or I'll make 4% of my money. But the difference is that percentage is headache. So what do you do? Mm. You just put up more money. If I put up, if I get 4% on $100,000, I'm going to put up a million, make 4% on a million, and now I'm making good money. I'd right. rather do that as opposed to getting crazy phone calls, dealing with tenants moving out, dealing with barbershop, people talking crazy. I'm just, I love business, but I'm kind of over dealing with the day-to-day of business. I just want the income. I don't want the headache. Well, that reminds me of a tweet you had a while back that I meant to ask you about on another episode, but didn't get a chance to. You had a tweet that said, interest over tenants. I definitely wanted to know what that one was about, if you remember that one. I used to work for a family office, and this guy was worth $200 million. And he made, he made his money in, in business. He, he owned a bunch of restaurants. And then once he was rich, he made his money being a lender. So he would literally just take his money and lend it out on projects. So he became a private money lender. He would lend it out on people who wanted to flip properties. He would lend it out if people needed money to save their business. He would lend it out for all those different things. And we just made interest. He was out there making like eight to 12% interest with the security interest in your business in the case that it went belly up. We can foreclose on that. And in a lot of ways, interest kind of can be a tenant, but I feel like it's a different level because then you're dealing with people who like are professionals, entrepreneurs, they actually have some wealth to them as opposed to dealing with tenants who got shit and they do shit that poor people do. I have a tenant who she didn't pay her rent. And so I sent her a seven day notice and she just moved out. She's like, I don't want to deal with any eviction. 
So instead of paying the money, she just moved out of the house because in her mindset, she didn't want an eviction on her record. And so now I'm over here with the house that we're probably going to have to spend some money fixing up. Got to send somebody in there to clean it up. Probably got to send somebody in there to patch up any holes her kids made. Got to clean it up. Probably got to replace the carpet. And it just sucks. But it is what it is. I feel like this has been a crazy few months for the, the real estate business. And a large part of it is just because we had to spend so much money. And then, oh, because we had to spend a bunch of money getting open ready. So we were in a good position financially. And then open, the tenant moved in there. And we had to spend money getting windows and doors and all that stuff. And um, so, yeah, we're kind of rebuilding right now. And having a tenant move out doesn't help us rebuild. We got to go back to square one. And we got to pay property taxes. So it's a very unique space. And I think last year what we did is maybe we shouldn't have done it that way. We went all in on buying more property. And so we own more stuff, but now we're low on cash. So we just got to figure that out. And she didn't even try to negotiate with you or anything? Right. She just, she like, I feel like she, she saw the notice and she was like, well, I guess I got to move. I was like, I just want you to pay the rent. It's, it's a seven day <laughs> notice to pay the rent or leave. And so she was like, I'm just going to leave. I don't know. It was crazy. All right, so real quick, you mentioned uh, you used to work in a family office. Now yes. I'm pretty sure um, you, when you the first time you mentioned that on Twitter, I think that was probably the first. I think you were probably the first person to ever mention a family office. Yep, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people out, a lot of black people out there that who've never heard of, even heard of that. You want to explain this real quick? What a family office is? Yes. So a family office is when a rich person has a lot of money and they have to figure out how they're going to deploy their money. And so they set up a business and that business strictly just invests their money. And so it looks like a lot of different things. You have to have accountants, you have to have lawyers, you have to have project managers and investment specialists. It's really, it's like a small investment fund that only invest the family's money. That's really what it is. And the family that I worked for was the guy, um, I don't really want to talk about his name, but then also we did a lot of work with like Larry Ellison. So Larry Ellison had a company that was called like Ellison Group. And Jeff Bezos, he has his own family office. And so people don't realize this, but like when Jeff Bezos buys a lot of stuff, a lot of times it's not Jeff Bezos, the person, it's like this Jeff Bezos affiliated company, right? So that's essentially what it was, is you, you make a lot of money and then you make money managing your money. It's, that's what they did. I mean, think about it. If you have $200 million and you have it lent out at 15%, now you're making $30 million a year. You can do a lot of money. You can do a lot with the $30 million a year budget. And that's kind of what it looks like is you make money managing your wealth. Once you get money, money comes. And that's just kind of what it was. I just wanted to touch on that real quick. It was a good experience. Uh, Honestly, I think I I more so got that experience because I had a background in finance and I had the law degree. And so, yeah. That's cool, man. So for those listening, if you did not get your tickets for the Black Man Building Wealth Conference that went down, you really you really should buy the replay. You really missed a lot yesterday, man. You missed a lot. 
It's dope conference. A lot of big speakers, man. Andre Hatchett, Jay Morrison, Xavier Miller, Chris Johnson, Jeremy Johnson, Independence Group. What's his name again? Henry. Henry Washington. Henry Washington. Man, it goes on and on. Brandon Thomas with the insurance. Terrence Reed from HBCU Wall Street. Money Madu. Brian Robinson, the infamous CPA. It was so much, man. So much. They got a lot of bang for their book, especially if you got the Mamba Legacy tickets. 24 bucks will never happen again. Because the price is going up for the next one. Man. I think what's crazy is I don't think people thought we could do it. I, I don't think people thought that like we were really going to make it happen. And for a while, I was kind of nervous about whether we were going to make it happen. Like up until the day of, I was like, we're really doing this. It's really going on. But like, I don't know. I've always been that person. I was thinking about that too. Like that night when I was in college, I put on this basketball game. It was a Greek. I want to say it was like a Greek basketball game. I forgot the theme of it. But, like, I was the MPHC president, and so we had a DJ, and then we had a basketball game. We had, like, a halftime show. We really did it, man. Like, we had we booked the gym. Girls are showing up. People were walking through. Like, it was dope. And, like, I did that. And another, mm-hmm. like, really substantial event that I did is I threw a, a yard show, and the yard show was popping, too. We threw a – I've done a lot of shit. And I only am trying to do even more, but it's just crazy. People didn't think it could happen. And we got a lot of really powerful brothers on there. But the crazy part about it is I was thinking about this today is a lot of that was possible because of the podcast. So a lot of the people that I had that I brought on were prior podcast guests. And I had a connection to them just from the podcast. And people really take that for granted. They take for granted what you can get for doing stuff for free, for putting people on, and promoting, promoting other people. Like, I didn't have to pay them. I just said, hey, can you come on? And a big part of the reason why we donated it to charity is because I couldn't afford to pay them. And I didn't feel right taking the money for myself. I'm like, I can't make money off of this if I'm not paying you. And so I was like, if you guys aren't making money, I'm not going to make money. And so um, that's just what it was. And now we get the benefit of giving away this money. And so other people get to benefit. Right, right, right. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And uh, those of you who bought the tickets and were at the event, I mean, who attended the event online, the replay is coming. Yep. And and there will be some offers from some of the, at least some of the speakers. It'll be the courses and stuff, maybe some discounts and stuff. Yeah, I need help it's with coming. that, man. I need help or organizing that. Help me out, Raphael. Right, 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 right. That wasn't what it was volunteering for, but yeah, got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. Moving along. Shout out to Andre Hatchet for facilitating the whole thing, too. Between you and yep. him, great work, great work, man, great work. So you said just do the work of being great without bragging or reminding people. So I think I'm a pretty darn good husband. 
But my wife doesn't like when I tell her that I'm a darn good husband. <laughs> and what I realized is I just got to be a dope husband. Like, my responsibility is just, like, do dope shit. Don't constantly, like, remind people that you're doing dope shit. And that's kind of, like, the premise of that whole idea was just be great for the purpose of being great. Don't be great for the accolades. Don't be great for the recognition. Don't be great for all that stuff. Just be great. And it'd be cool if more of us adopted that because I feel like a lot of us are, we are so caught up in ourselves that we can't really serve the community. And I think that it's important to not necessarily look for what you can get out of something, but look for what you can give to something because what happens is then you get stuff back. And so if you're a dope husband, you're going to get a dope life. You're going to get a dope wife. But if you're only looking to be a dope husband on the basis of her being a dope wife, you're probably not going to get a dope wife. <laughs> um, and so like, that's kind of what I was saying is I just, I try to be good for the sake of being good, not for the sake of like other people doing good. I don't condition my goodness on other people. And I think that people should do the same. Like, just be dope, man. Be dope. Don't say, I'll be dope if you be dope. And I think you'll get a lot more out of life what you want. Right. He said, one thing about me is criticism forces me to level up. Every time someone says I can't do something, I do it. When people man. say I'm not good at something, I become good at it. When I used to work at, at banking, nobody, they didn't tell me this, but it was said. Somebody says something along the lines of like me not being articulate. They're like, oh, he's not articulate. He's not this, he's not that. And so I personally took it upon myself to become articulate. And these days, I just be trying to shit on them. I can't think of another thing that I did. I think my banking experience was very unique. But like basically, especially in corporate America, I've always been kind of doubted and counted out um, despite being overly qualified in a lot of spaces. Um, and so what I do is I never really let anybody tell me what I can't do, what's not possible, what I can't make happen. I just rise above. Um, in fact, tell me what I can't do and what I can't make happen just puts a target on that particular thing because that becomes what I put all my effort and energy into getting. And my mom is probably the same way when she was a professional or she's still a professional, but when she was like kind of growing her career, she was always told like, oh yeah, well, you can't get to the next level because you don't have this. You don't have a degree. And so she went back to college and got a degree. Like, oh, well, you can't get to the next level because you don't have years of experience. And she went and got her years of experience. Oh, well, you can't get this because of that. And so like, that's kind of like the spirit that's in me. My mom, when she was becoming a CPA, you had to get auditing hours. And so she was working her daytime job and then she would go get her auditing hours working for a different firm. So she was just like doing whatever it takes. And even in her master's program, like my mom in her master's program, she got her master's in tax, but it wasn't just like a straight shot. It wasn't easy. She was in the program, got dropped from the program, re-enrolled back in the program and just hustled because she was working and she was doing all these other things, but she didn't let it stop her. Like, I feel like that is what success looks like. Success doesn't look like straight shot. It doesn't look like no problems. It doesn't look like no faults. It looks like, are you going to get it despite? Are you going to go after it despite? And that's kind of who I've become. I've become somebody who, whatever you throw on my, my, my way, I'm going to kick it down, whatever it is. And that is a skill set that, that translates into other areas. I was thinking about how we did the conference and it went like 13 hours. And people are like, 13 hours, that's crazy. And I was like, bro, like, I have an undergrad degree. I went to law school and then I went to grad school. Like, nothing in me says I'm only going to do the bare minimum. Like, I go get it. It's Sunday. I got a cold. 
I should be resting right now, and we're going to record this podcast because we're going to get this money, Raphael. We're going to get it. So basically, that's all I'm saying is like, I don't, the, the idea of white supremacy means that they are better than you or that you think they're better than you. And that's one of the things that I realized, like people who complain about racism, they only care about racism because they think they're better than them. You don't care. It's like they say, a lion doesn't concern himself with the opinion of sheep. You don't care about their opinion if they're sheep. You think they're the lions, so you give a fuck what they say. I think I'm a lion, so I don't give a fuck what they say. I'm going to still rise up. I'm going to still conquer whatever they say I can't conquer. I'm going to still do what they say I can't do. Hey. Yeah, man. So, last tweet before we start wrapping up. Actually, before we get to this last tweet, let's go back to uh, the B- Mobile Barbershop Chronicles. What's going on with the Mobile Barbershop right now, man? <laughs> yeah, so, um, <laughs> my business is so weird, man. The, the Mobile Barbershop, last week, we were taking the barbershop back. This week, the barber's like, I still want to cut out of the shop. And what frustrates me is he's making money on this shop every day. He's taking it to the to the nursing home. He's taking it to all these different spots and making his money. And when it comes to paying us, it's always a problem. And so I told him, I was like, bro, like his message to me was, um, yeah, so um, I still want to cut out of the shop. I'm going to send you some money next Friday. And I told him, I was like, bro, like I have a feeling the next Friday you're going to give me an excuse for why you can't send this money. And you can also tell me about some repairs that need to be made. And he was like, man, if there's repairs that need to be made, I'm not even going to tell you about it. I'm just going to make it happen. And I kind of ignored it. It's really frustrating. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So um, I just feel like at this point, it's tough. It's tough, especially working a job and trying to manage all this stuff. But I think it can get done. It definitely can get done, but it's, it's not easy. So what I will say is that um, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to maybe take steps to get it back while also waiting. But I just feel like waiting is it's, it's for lost effort because we've done it before. We've waited, haven't gotten paid, waited, haven't gotten paid. But the good thing is the shop is running, the shop is functioning. And if we do get it back, I already got somebody else who I know wants to use it. And what we're likely going to do is just gut it and just re- uh, redo the whole thing, make it better. So, yeah, it's definitely an experience. Definitely an experience. And you said um, you said business is kind of weird. But one thing to remember, if uh, anybody doesn't know Todd Capital, I mean, Todd Capital is not a 150-year-old company like Goldman Sachs or something like that. Black people as a whole, we we, we kind of still in the infancy stages with these kind of things, so it's going to be funny like that, right? And and then also, what's interesting is we're we're in the we're in the barbershop business, so it's a struggle, but it's a struggle that I want to have. But I will mm-hmm. say, while we are a small company, we are like three years old, so I was like, dang, this is like the longest run on a company that I've ever had. I've started a lot of businesses, but this is the longest one. Um, I think the necktie company was almost as long, but I think what's dope about this company is I don't have a lot of people who can tell me what I can't do. And I feel like that's very important because there's people who will tell you what you can't do out of fear, not because it's not possible, 
And so I need to get those people away from me or the people who say like, we shouldn't do that or all the, whatever opinions and that'll hold up your progress. And so it's crazy how the company is old, but it's not on Amazon levels. And I was thinking like Amazon at year three, like it was probably doing some basic stuff. These guys sell everything now and they started out selling books. And so Provado Life made that comment. Like we started off selling merch. Now we're doing deals. So it's like, for me, it's like, what's next? We started doing LLCs. Now we sell this, now we sell that. So like, what's next? I don't know what's next, but I'm excited for what's to come. We'll work it out. We're going to mess around and buy our own barbershop again. Might have to. That's a good idea. Franchise. Yeah. Get out the middle of the road. So you said on a tweet, college student loans are a problem because folks don't have any patience. They want to be debt-free today. So um, I want to say two years ago, so I went to, when I was in college, I took out student loans because my parents didn't get, my, my parents made too much money for me to get actual like help in school. And so I have more student loans than my peers. And what, but I've made outside of my job, using my skill set, enough money to pay off my student loans multiple times over. But I've been at a college for about 10 years. And so what I realized is this, it's going to take a few years for you to get the true value out of your degree. If you think you're going to leave college and immediately start making money to pay off your degree, you're going to be disappointed. But you'd be surprised where you'll be in 10 years. And so for me, I'm like, I got out of law school maybe three years ago. So once everything comes to fruition, what I paid to go to law school is nothing. It's going to be nothing. And I paid a lot of money to go to law school. And I paid a lot of money to go to grad school. But at the end of the day, as things start to come to fruition, as you start doing bigger and better deals, larger deals, more successful deals, that stuff means nothing. But people are so focused on their immediate, and so they get depressed and they get frustrated. But like for me, I'm not worried about that student loan stuff. I'm worried about am I making enough money? Am I hustling? Am I building? Am I improving? And I feel like if people took that approach, if they saw it that way, they would realize that college isn't expensive, that it's worth the money, and you're going to be all right. You're going to get it knocked out. A lot of people are like, well, I don't know if I want to pay for college. It's so expensive, and it's just too much money. And I hear you, but college is the only reason why I'm here now. Like, if not for college, I would not have married my wife. If not for college, I wouldn't have the friends that I have. If not for college, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do online. Like, college is the reason why I'm a thinker. It teaches you critical, critical thinking. So I look at stuff, I think about it, and I tweet it because I'm a critical thinker that I was taught to by college. My finance education is the reason why I can analyze stocks and do all these different things. Like all that stuff works together, but I think the foundation is education and it's worth it. It's worth the investment. And you might not get it back immediately, but you'll get it eventually. Yeah, man. So let's start wrapping up a little bit. So if you're listening, if you um, if you got if you if you didn't have tickets for the Batman Building Web Conference, we thank you for that. You know we appreciate everybody for, for buying tickets. We we appreciate everybody that was a speaker at the conference. Everybody bringing like heat. Right. Appreciate everybody. And if you listen to that conference, and you couldn't get anything out of it. Is something wrong with you? Definitely something wrong <laughs> with you. It was like 12, 13 hours. Like you're gonna need 
days and days to get through that stuff. And the good powerful. thing about it, and the good thing is about about it is when you have that recording, you're gonna you're gonna hear one thing or what from one speaker, and you run with that, and then you, a month later or six months later, you listen to it again, you hear something else that just touches you in a different way and sets you up for something else, man. And this is gonna keep giving to you for years to come, man, because it was a lot. Yep. 100% it was. Different things hit you at different times, too. That's the thing. You can hear the best advice and you, it just passed over your head today, but then a year later, it's like you were just ready for it. We really put together a superstar panel. And the crazy part about it is there's people that I left off. John Delia should have been on there. Uh, who else? I'm trying to the, think. Um, who else? Charm City Buyers. Yeah. Yep. Charm City Buyers should have been on there. Um, man. So many other people that I could have had on there. And so to them, I would like to say that it was not because I did it on purpose. We just, we, it filled up so fast and I felt like it would be unfair to them to invite them on and not give them enough space to really speak. So um, definitely looking forward to doing another one. I, so many people really say Friday. I know a lot of really dope people and a lot of it's just thanks to the podcast, but we are definitely doing the Black Men Building Wealth Conference Part 2, and that's probably going to come in six months, so I'm not sure uh, exactly when, but we're definitely going to do it again. We got such a great response out of it, and the crazy part about it is people will like seeing stuff like that. Like We always talk about how women are doing so well, and they're doing well because people are doing things for them, but it's just different when you're a man. But when you are doing it, women like admire it. They're like, it's so great seeing men building for men. It's so great seeing men sharing information with other men. So I just, I feel like we're setting a precedent. We're being leaders in our community. And even Jay Morris, he's like, this is an innovative idea. This is dope. And the thing is, is this, I just identify problems. The problem is we don't do enough for our African-American brothers. And so guess what? We're going to do it. And then we're going to make it happen. And I mean, even just a tweet talk podcast, everything we do is is solutions oriented. So solutions are going to look innovative. Right, right, right. And you, you're right. People, people do respect it and they admire it. I know um, Brandy Hayes on uh, Instagram that worked with Brandy. She was pushing that. She bought bought the tickets for her brother. She was talking it up. Then you got Gia, the cousin investor. She was on Instagram, posting it and putting it in her stories like crazy yesterday or the day before, just crazy going with it, telling everybody you gotta get on, you gotta get in. It's gonna be dope, you know. So everybody knows, man, bring in the heat. Yep, yep. But, you know, gotta come to Todd Capital, hit up gumroad.com slash Todd Capital. Got the updated graphics, man. Got the new courses, the Stocks Fundamentals course, up, upgraded the um, Trading Options Workshop. The new vending machine webinar is uploaded, is ready to go. Uh, how to buy assets as a group, group economic starter kit, long distance real estate investing. If you want to get money, come to Tide Capital, man. Come to Tide Capital. Man, that, that, that logo is just floating. It always looks so cool to just be floating. But fire stuff, fire content, check us out. You can actually check out the site at tiecapital.co. So you can do the Gumroad stuff, but you can also just use tiecapital.co. Um, great stuff has happened. I'm looking forward to this the rest of this year. So Yeah, man. So roughly on the – oh, I forgot to say, man. 
Follow us on, on Twitter. You can follow Charles at Todd Billy, T-O-D-D-B-I-L-L-I. Follow me, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Um, follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Partner with Millie or Todd.Capital. You know, get that content. And if you're following if you're following us, you might catch a sale. You might catch a fifty dollar Friday every now and then. Might get a thousand dollar product for fifty bucks if you follow us, man. You never know. Come on Twitter, <laughs> follow us. Never know, man. Never know. And we got friends that bring the fire too, bring the heat. Selling some dope courses like the Influence CPA, the Heart Sogs. Make sure you get down with Blackwell Twitter, man. So Shout out to friends of the show, Hudder States. Shout out to Erica Williams, Terry Gioma, I'm an investor. Shout out to Provider Life, Invest as a Team, show sponsor. Shout out to the podcast editor, Donald The Voice. I saw a guy right there. You know, shout out to Chris Johnson and 17th Watches. Shout out to the um, the infamous CPA, Brian Robertson. Shout out to Xavier Miller and his podcast, Millionaire Mindset Podcast, him and Deanna Kent. You know, uh, dope people out there. You see out there, Blackwell Twitter is kicking it. You know, episode, Tweet Talk, episode 37. Raphael and Charles, we are out. Peace. Yo, this is your boy, Donald The Boys. Donald The Boys. And that's right. If you're listening, then you know a little bit of my swag, my production. I'm a voiceover artist, podcast producer, and also a little bit of a creative. And I want to offer you a special offer for this podcast listenership. That's right. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you need any kind of commercials, promos, or advertisements, that then I'll be sure to hook you up. With prices starting as low as $50 for a fully produced commercial, I'm willing to give you the best value that you can get anywhere. So once again, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And I look forward to talking to you. Yeah. <laughs>